0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome to the Repack.
0: I'm just Mosqueda. I'm here with
1: Evan Tex-Western. Say what's some people, Tex?
2: Hey, Merry Christmas everybody. Hope you uh, you all had a good Christmas weekend. I am uh, fresh off getting a basically a straight IV drip of old fashions from my fiancé's uncle this evening, uh, Sunday night. Uh, how are you doing there, Justice? I'm not too bad. We got a uh, we got some snow
1: today, not yesterday. We got it the day before and the day after Christmas, but there you go. It ended up working out right. Nice. Um, Green Bay Packers though showed up on Christmas. 24-22 win against the Cleveland Browns. Another one where you know the box score looks a whole lot closer um, than kind of the game flow went. You know, after back-to-back weeks, the Ravens were the same way last week where they had a chance to win it at the end, but you know, the Packers had a two-score touch or 2 score lead in both of these games. Um, backdoor covers against the uh, team yeah. that had the best, you know, against the spread record in the league. I think now, you know, after Washington, I think they were tied with Dallas coming into the week. Um, now that the Cowboys blew out Washington, I think <laughs> Dallas is now the team that uh, has the best against the spread record for the season. But, yeah, um, just overall thoughts on this game. I mean, sloppy is, is probably one way to – talk about it
2: santa baker delivering presents to the packers defense throughout this game man
1: yeah baker reagan make baker reagan mayfield <laughs> trickle down pick <pickonomics>. a yeah. <laughs> it was he did not look ready to play i'm actually surprised the uh cleveland browns dads they, they must have a union or something every time he plays poorly they all just get on a facebook and start ripping him a new one i'm surprised we didn't get any christmas tweets from them they must have been in the holiday spirit or something but yeah Yep. He did not have a good game. The Browns actually only punted once. Um, usually you win those games, not when you throw four interceptions and probably could have thrown five.
2: Yep. Well, and most of them were bad throws, but the one, I think the worst one in my mind was the one off his back foot that Shannon Sullivan picked off um, down near the red zone. Um, just a, a a terrible, terrible throw, sailed it over the head of Jarvis Landry, you know, right into uh, right into Channon's hands. And that's when they were, you know, driving down and, and looking like they were going to, um, you know, get a big score to, to get right back in that game. So just, yeah, flinging it all over and, and nice of the the DBs to be hauling those, those plays in this time. Cause you know, we've seen Darnell Savage drop a couple in the last couple of games that Minnesota game comes to mind. Um, so see him get that, get that one and the deep ball uh, on that, that first interception uh, was pretty nice, but yeah, you you think you get four turnovers out of uh, out of a team and, and don't commit any and you win by more than two points, which basically come on a missed PAT and then a missed uh, two point conversion early in the game. and That ends up being your margin of victory.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- that really is. Yeah, I know that always gets a little tricky. Um, yeah, I know they were trying to chase points to get back into, you know, basically an even game because they knew Green Bay was getting the ball at the half. Um, but yeah, I mean, that ended up being what, what decided the game. I know that's like two separate plays. You usually make that PAT and, you know, I guess half the time you make that two point conversion, but right, it happens. Um, so just talking about the guys in this game, there were a lot of late moves <laughs> this week. Yeah. I don't think we've seen any week where they made so many like, Oh, that's happening moves. Like Ty Summers, uh, the inside linebacker who, was really, like, actually playing defense, you know, the beginning of the season and had been, you know, relegated back to just playing special teams, got put on injured reserve for a hamstring injury. And then Malik Taylor, you know, special teams ace, um, got put on IR2 at the same time. That was at the same time that they activated Kenny Clark. Um, and I th- I believe they put, like, Chauncey Rivers on the uh, COVID reserve. And, he you know, he's on injured reserve, so he must be, yeah. you know, working out, you know, in, in the facility at the very okay. least. If they're going to put him on the list, he's getting tested um Isaiah McDuffie replaced Ty Summers on special teams I think that was assumed uh McDuffie had been activated a couple times um he's always been a 53-man roster guy he was a draft pick out of Boston College this past year I think he's his role really is like just kind of being a special teamer um but he wasn't always activated to the game day roster um so he kind of took over that role the big difference that I would say in terms of a guy who came in, stepped in as a special teamer and had not really contributed in that way was Jawan Winfrey. Um, Winfrey, you know, has been bouncing up and down from the practice squad and, you know, game day roster all season. He ended up playing special teams with with Malik Taylor out. Um, for reference, 77 of his previous uh, 82 snaps this season were on offense, not special teams, and he actually contributed on special teams this week. So I think Winfrey is kind of like the Malik Taylor replacement, especially with Equinamia, St. Brown, getting tabbed
2: as the starter you know with right. uh, mark yeah with scaling out yep yeah with mvs being on covid um eq got basically all the wide receiver three reps and played i think like 50 out of 58 or 59 snaps something like that um and then kevin king and and shamar john charles being late after scratches. the inactives came out i yeah. wrote it, the
1: inactives and then <laughs> as soon as i posted it on the site they were like Hey, by the way, Ennis Gaines, my guy, is activated to the to game day roster, and Kevin King is out because of COVID. I'm like, yep. This day of testing stuff, man. Like, it's
2: it's crazy. Baker
1: Baker had to take a private jet to the game on Christmas (laughs) because you know the the rest of the team had already traveled, and now we're getting day of testing. So, like, that's going to influence that until the very last minute. Like, yep. This playoffs, it's going to get weird, man. It's going to get very weird.
2: Yeah, I mean the, the Packers at least have the benefit of a couple of their key players already having had it, and therefore not needing to test through basically the the conference championship round. So between basically all the quarterbacks, right? Rogers, Love, and and Bankert have all three gone on the COVID list in the second half of the season. So Rogers, especially, we know isn't going to have to test uh, between now and and the Super Bowl, uh, based on that ninety day time frame. So at least that uh, that helps out a little bit there, if. Um, you know, easing any questions about the quarterback position, but yeah, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna drop a game because of one of these you know Saturday Sunday tests. I'm I'm convinced of it. Devonte and Alan Lazard, if
1: memory serves
2: correctly, should
1: be around that time too. Um, yeah, they should probably actually be open to being able to be tested around. I'd say uh, wildcard divisional week? round? It'll be yeah. like the Pro Bowl week because I think it okay. was the week before Rodgers.
2: Yeah, because they um, were not out that for that uh, a game. But yeah, because they were both out for the Arizona game.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know obviously Devondre Campbell, he can't get tested because he just yep. came off the list. Kenny just came off the list. MVS is just coming off the list. But some of the other guys, I mean, like Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, like those guys are, you know, they haven't gotten it yet. And yep. this is not to say them not getting it yet. Is, is a bad thing but just like it's a right it's a thing that can happen you know yeah. I, I think yeah. that's how we're all kind of taking this um the biggest head scratcher kings of kiki healthy scratch um yeah, what
2: so, we're gonna we have never to get got some any we gotta get there. some answers on monday from lafleur on that one
1: yeah silver uh silverstein said that it wasn't injury related um you know mvs uh if you guys didn't know you know he had some stuff happening in the family and Devonte adams did a whole like uh, praying thing, kind of on the field, and said, you know, it was for MBS and, you know, what he had been going through. A lot of people are going through stuff. It's also the holidays. Like, if something happened yeah. to Kiki's family, like, I think that makes more sense than him being yep. like an actual healthy scratch. Tyler Lancaster um, had what was it? He had thirty-four snaps. Thirty-four, yeah, yeah, which second most this season. Thirty-six against Kansas City. So it's not like they didn't need interior defensive linemen in this game, and they also you know, use Jack Heflin who they've been healthy scratching for most of the season. So I don't know, something doesn't sound right, but at the same time yeah. it's, it's venturing into like, is this my business role? You know, that, yeah. that type of uh, wave um, guys who got their first snaps this season for the most part, uh, Sean Davis, nine snaps. Uh, these are all safeties. Vernon Scott, and his Gaines.
2: Vernon Scott's snaps. alive. Thank, thank God. At least we know he's out there and, and breathing still. He got same thing with Heflin, Sean Davis. right?
1: Yeah, you got a snap by Sean Davis. They all, they all only basically got snaps on special teams. But yeah. I did think it was interesting. Like, I don't know, man. I, w- what is the Vernon Scott thing? Like, we, we got to figure this out. Because he, he is taking up a roster spot. And they're going to have to yeah. make a decision soon. Um, you know, Jair, he, he only has a 21-day window to be able to return to the team. So even if he isn't right, if they want to be able to activate him off of injured reserve, they're going to have to move him up to the active roster and use one of their 53 spots yeah. for him. You know, that's same, what's happening. with the Same David thing Fox with Bakhtiari. Adam. Exactly. Yep. So, I mean, that's happening next week. So, you know, Jair very well could be taking Vernon Scott's uh, gig, you know, that's just kind of how this is playing out.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I was happy to see Gaines finally get at least a little bit of a shot. Um, I we we've talked about it before that he was so good on special teams, especially in the preseason, and surprised me that they that they kept Scott over Gaines on the fifty three, just based on special teams alone.
1: Yeah, and Scott, yeah, Scott was dealing with injuries and stuff. So, like, I guess I don't know. I I don't know if they just thought like we weren't doing this guy right by you know cutting a draft pick because he was hurt basically or or what was going on there but let's talk about this game um there were a lot of uh a lot of nerds uh tweeted frankly that uh you know pass heavy first drive for the cleveland browns is why they scored there was a 40 yard screen that ended up a penalty at the end of it that that was half the distance to the goal i don't understand why anyone would think that that was like the baker mayfield drive that's not simply not what happened
2: no Uh, absolutely i i i I thought I saw a hold on that play too that didn't get called, yeah, but on Barnes. You
1: know, there was a hold on
2: Barnes, yep, but yeah. whatever. Um they, they didn't call any of those those kind of those holds. I mean, Cleveland had a, a effective screen game, really the whole game. Um, and it, it definitely seemed like they were getting away with a little bit of stuff. And I mean the Packers DBs got a little away with a little bit of stuff too. So I mean they were they were not calling um a lot of contact both ways. But yeah, I completely agree. That's not a that is not a you know great Baker drive a great passing drive by the the Browns offense at all
1: on that first drive such a bummer I mean Devontae basically had a touchdown yeah it. I mean they, they just they could they couldn't connect they couldn't haul it back in um Rodgers did say after the game that you know his foot felt or his toe I guess is the more important part felt better than it has in weeks um at least since that injury since he came back from the COVID reserve list just a bummer because I, I I thought if you know they would have scored there that would have really set the tempo and yeah. I think they probably would have run off a little bit more than they ended up doing I mean they only scored three points in the second half of this game that first touchdown if you could have gotten ahead that early I mean would have done a lot and they end up going three and out and putting it but yeah oh well that's how I go
2: sometimes it's a game right. Of football right yeah and I mean the We'll get into it in a bit, but the offense really the whole second half was was just kind of a mess, especially, you know, those those couple drives in the fourth quarter. um, Just just not really seeming to click the entire, you know, that entire second half. Uh, We already talked about Baker. Oh, yeah. Rogers hit uh, 443. Yeah, Yeah, that was the
1: franchise record. Passing (laughs) touchdowns on Christmas, no less in Lambeau, no less.
2: Cool. Good for him. We got a little uh, shout out from from Grandpa Brett in the stadium. That was fun. So,
1: I need your thoughts on this. They said during the broadcast, Rodgers is sending the ball to Favre's grandson. What? I, is, is that like a, the, the grandpa thing? The grandpa comment? I don't Do you know. know
2: that's like, that's, I, that, I, I don't know. That's, that's all I can think of is, is it's just a, a, a joke about him calling Favre grandpa. I don't know. I, who knows? That seems like it would be a weird thing for, for Rodgers to, to give up on a milestone, uh, you know, keepsake like that.
1: Uh, it's, I don't know. It's about the people, right? Yeah, that, that, <laughs> That's what he said. It's about the people. Um, for those who don't, who haven't kind of, or at least don't get the reference, Jeff Perlman wrote a book about Brett Favre called gunslinger. And in it, he said, you know, one of the first things that, if not the first thing that, uh, Roger said to Favre was good morning grandpa. And that, that kind of set the tone for the relationship of like, you know Favre has this guy breathing down his neck and he's calling him grandpa and you know d- didn't particularly like that. Just Who knows? Weird. Just yeah. very weird. The the he dynamic between did... the yeah. Oh go the, ahead.
2: The dynamic between these those two guys, like we, we it was there were some discussions about that in the APC Slack this weekend. And um fundamentally like I think they have both generally come to terms with one another. I mean that's at least the vibe that I get that, that they are friendly and it's not just you Know they're not just being friendly for show, and I think part of it is because they're both just weird dudes, ultimately.
1: Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah. So. I Rogers is also experiencing what Brett experienced yep. too. So, like he understands it. I mean, he's making demands, yeah. he's making them he's making the owner and the general manager and the head coach take flights with him in the offseason. So it's not right. like he's handling this any better than Favre did. So I'm sure he's <laughs> like, I understand to a certain extent. Um Green Bay now. Uh, because of what happened this weekend, which is basically, you know, the, the good teams won in the NFC, has an 85% chance to win the fir- get the uh, first round by, according to 538. For whatever reason, hot take artists really do not like this team. Like, they bring, up, um, they bring up a lot of season-long stats, which, again, I personally do not think matter very much. Um, just because that week one matters so much. And then mm-hmm. if you're including Jordan Love's stats in there, that's, it's not the same team. So <laughs> there's such a big difference between Aaron Rodgers who is, you know, the MVP favorite versus Jordan Love that I don't understand why you would include that data in anything useful at all. I know yeah. a lot of people bring up, you know, the past two backdoor covers but like they're they're supposed to win ball games not cover against the spread. So I don't
2: Right, and and so many of these games that have been close, I think I can't remember if it was Peter Bukowski or one of the guys who who talked about how the Packers are basically either won by two scores or at least had a two score lead at every point in every one of their twelve wins this year. And that's after
1: basically punting the first drive or potentially even the first quarter away. Like this team steamrolls teams down the stretch, and then.
2: That okay, you want to and, creep
1: back in. That's fine.
2: Yep. Sec, second and third quarter, there's no team better in the NFL than than this this Packers team. And you know, obviously they do so much of that damage around halftime and you know the last two minutes of the, the second quarter and the coming out of halftime in the third quarter. But um yeah, they just uh, they just need to find a little bit more juice in the fourth quarter i guess on offense i think is is what i think would really seal the deal because you had a couple another drive or two in this game that you know they pick up one one first down um that last drive uh before the two minute warning and and game is over same thing with that missed pass from rogers to devante uh in the baltimore game last week he he connects on that and um you know and you're, you're good to go and then devante drops it this week for um you know a pass that hits him right in the hands that would have pretty much ended the game. So just little, little things in the margins that could have preserved, um, you know, some, some more comfortable wins and, and saved us a little bit of heart attacks down the stretch. And it's not like you could ask them to do anything
1: better on those kind of first. Yeah. I, I know we don't like the like run, run pass, you know, off, off the rip, but like you said, against Baltimore, they had that shot play to Devontae dialed in. Um, this week against Cleveland, they had that shot play to Devontae dialed in. It just didn't work. And like, you have an MVP quarterback and you know probably a first team All Pro wide receiver who's in the offensive player of the year discussion. Like, who else would you want throwing or catching that ball? Like, it's right. good, it's good process. They're just not getting the results right now. So, yep. it is what it is. Um, the NFC race is getting a little tighter um, as we expected. Washington has kind of dropped out uh, <sighs> after getting just absolutely drubbed by uh, Dallas on Sunday Night Football. Uh, Malik, uh, the other Malik, uh, wide mm-hmm. receiver, former Green Bay Packer, had that, like, 60-yard scamper on, like, a screen or something like that where just was Washington, crazy. it just looked like they just were done. They, they yep. didn't want to tackle anymore. And he made a cutback, and then he made another cutback, and they were like, that's it. We're, we're out of here. Minnesota is going to be interesting because I want to know how motivated they are uh, kind of next week. They're, they're basically if they're, – they're not out, but they're on live support. Definitely. After losing to the Rams, this six and seven seed race is really coming down to the Niners, who just lost to Tennessee, the Eagles, who beat Jake Fromm, which like he did not look like an NFL quarterback at all. And then the Saints, who are still to play on Monday night against uh, Miami, I think the last I checked, they're out 21 players uh, due to COVID and four coaches. So and again, day day of testing. So that could be even more by tomorrow.
2: Yeah, but we're looking at at them starting Ian Book because both Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon look like they're going to be out tomorrow night. Which again,
1: um, he's very close to the like Jake from this guy. Yeah. Definitely should have <laughs> probably not been drafted out of college.
2: I, I loved the story that came out this week about the Saints calling Drew Brees and just asking him, "Hey, how would you feel about coming back for a week to, you know, to?" They called to, Rivers too. Did they call Rivers too? They I didn't hear Rivers. that.
1: They called but Rivers.
2: I, lo- I love the I love the reaction that Brees had that that they be, he basically just sent them a picture of him on the golf course and enjoyed himself.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's no reason to
2: do no. that. I mean, no.
1: I, I felt like he, he won the passing title. He's done, he was done. He got his little <laughs> moment. Yep. He, knew, he knew he's not winning a ring. I mean, what, what's even the point? Yeah. Um, did you see the uh, Ian Book comment on like uh, – No. They were basically like, you know, how, how did you know you were going to be the next quarterback up? He was like, I could count to three. And I realized I was the last guy. So, I mean, this stuff is happening everywhere. Tyler it's Huntley, a, who just it's played a great for Notre
2: Dame education for you, by the way.
1: Yeah, they got to take a cal- pass calculus their freshman year. They'd <laughs> love to tell you about it. Um, Tyler Huntley, you know, tested. I think tested today or yesterday. It was within 24 it was yesterday, hours of the game. but yeah, yeah. Josh Johnson had to get brought up. Who's been bouncing around everywhere. He oh he also God. he played for us for the XFL in LA. He's like. A pro's pro, like yep. he is, he is kind of like what you think of, like veteran quarterback backup. Like he is that guy. Um, he did fairly solid for Baltimore, um, but the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. You know, we were saying last week. You know, why why are you running against this Baltimore team that has a good run defense and you know has similar to like scab lockout year uh, <laughs> defensive backs in terms of like talent? Um Joe Burrow, thirty seven for thirty or for forty six. 525 yards and four touchdowns. They damn near broke the passing record against that team. Um, he had the most passing yards Jeez. against Baltimore in a single season than anyone's had against any team in NFL history in a single season. He broke Marino's record. So, yeah, I mean, you could throw in that Baltimore team and Green Bay for whatever reason decided not to.
2: Yeah, that 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 does bring into question the, the game plan a little bit. Again, why were they so focused on running the football um when you knew exactly what the weakness of that defense was um hopefully that's a little wake-up call for this coaching staff to like all right let's not worry about you know getting gathering information with those first series or two or whatever whatever it is that they're doing and just attack the weakness that you know is there
1: how do you feel about the LaFleur coach of the year thing because I know a lot of people's responses right they see three guys make it to the pro bowl list and they say okay well then it must be the coaching right? They, they, they then turn guys getting snubbed from the Pro Bowl into LaFleur must be number one for a coach of the year candidate. <laughs> but I mean, week one against New Orleans, I feel pretty strongly you could put a lot of that blame on the coaching staff on the offense, yeah. if not LaFleur. I think against Kansas City, that entire first half, I think you could put a lot of stuff, a lot of that on LaFleur. And, you know, just little situations like, like mm-hmm. this. And you know maybe not switching out Amari fast enough and you know little things like I'm not saying like LaFleur is a bad coach I would much rather have Matt LaFleur as my coach than Mike McCarthy I promise you Mm -hmm. but the him being like runaway coach of the year candidate just because the team only had three pro bowlers I don't know if that necessarily passed the sniff test for me
2: yeah. There's, there's a macro micro look at this and from a macro level, what he's done with the team overall, the performance, the record, you know, being in position for the one seed with, you know, given the, the injuries and the COVID issues and, and all the distractions and everything that they've gone through this season. Yeah. He's done a hell of a job, but then you really start to dig into what you're talking about. Those individual, you know, game performances, game plan type of things. And, and you've got some head scratching moments that just, you know if you and I can see these things you know why isn't a you know an NFL head coach you know picking up on on some of these you know some of these tendencies or or strategies that um, you know it, it does make you question a little bit so I think you, you have to separate it out a little bit and um, I, I ultimately don't think he'll get it I think Belichick probably will just based on you know, everything with a rookie quarterback and, and bringing that team back to, to where it's been with the defense and, and everything. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think he deserves to be in the discussion overall. But yeah, I think there are some, some of those specific instances that that make you scratch your head a little bit and, and wonder what they're doing.
1: Uh, do you have any more general thoughts uh, before we get into the No, let's do it. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back, guys. Offensive side of the ball. First thing that stood out to me, I guess two things in terms of the snap counts that stood out to me. One, tight end Dominique Daphne. Okay. He was, uh you know, limited in practice all week, uh, had an ankle injury, only ended up playing three offensive snaps, played five special team snaps. He didn't leave the game. They didn't like, you know, announce that, you know, he was questionable to return or anything like that. Tyler Davis basically supplanted him in terms of like the depth chart. If you're thinking about, this isn't really how tight end works out because they're just very different bodies. But if you're thinking about like one, two, three, four, in terms of the snaps, Tyler Davis jumped up from four to three and supplanted Dominic Daphne, which I thought was really surprising. I, I wonder if it was more of like him being on a pitch count and the fact that, I mean, they only had three guys listed as an active this week. One was, right. you know, Kingsley Kiki, who, again, we still don't know what his you know issue was. Um, And then Bakhtiari and Billy Turner, who simply cannot play, like they physically cannot be on the football field right now. Um, So I don't know if that was just like, you can give us three snaps and maybe we only need you for three snaps. And you're kind of like an emergency guy and your ankle, you know, might be, you know, not, not full health, but that was kind of an odd one. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, that that's kind of where I'm thinking is, is that they were just, yeah, break glass in case of emergency. Um, And especially because some of those guys that went out were, you know, the, the defensive back bodies, again, Shamar John Charles and Kevin King, you know, guys that might be able to pitch in with some like gunner snaps on, on special teams. That's not Daphne's role. Um, And so my, my guess would be that, you know, they were expecting one of those guys to be active and and maybe shut Daphne down on offense. I mean, you still got Deguara playing a lot of the fullback uh, snaps that Daphne was getting early in the season. You're seeing Deguara get more and more of those. um, and, And I mean, basically all of those since Daphne has been out the last couple of weeks. So I think they're, they're starting to get more comfortable with him. And since, since they're putting him on the field, they don't necessarily need to, you know, feel the need to rush Daphne back on the field um, as as quickly, at least on offense.
1: The second guy that really stood out in terms of the snap counts on offense, Amari Rogers, zero snaps, MVS was out. Um, You know, they've had plenty of injuries, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, only five guys active. He only played six snaps on special teams. He returned every uh, punt and kick. I believe he got three. So that's three of the six snaps alone. Um,
2: Why are you here? i why why is he on this team right now again oh, i'm gonna man. say it
1: again reggie beagleton he could he yeah. could have been playing like real snaps i mm-hmm. really do think like reggie beagleton probably could have given you more on offense than like malik taylor did um he's probably up there with like juan Win- winfrey um yep. i get you know he's kind of a younger guy and you're dealing with stuff like that but i mean beagleton was a pro man like he, he could have been getting some of these reps and I'm sure he could have returned kicks or he was getting a CFL contract. So it's not like he's making less than the NFL anyway.
2: I think they tried him at kick return at one point in the preseason too. So yeah. What the hell, what what do you get to lose?
1: I don't get it. The Amari stuff, you know, all the things that we kind of wanted him to do in terms of like the end of rounds and like jet motion and things like that. Like they use Equinemius A. Brown for that. And he was on the practice squad for multiple weeks this season. So
2: well those are completely different body types too. That's the other thing yes. that gets me is it's it's fascinating. You've got EQ doing that at 6'5, 210, as opposed to Amari at like you know, five nine or five ten and like two ten or two fifteen. It's it's just a, a, a weird different skill set that both of those guys have and, and athletic profiles and everything. So um, to to kind of have have EQ be that guy is still. Still fascinating when you know they they really seem to to want Amari to be that dude. I think they just desperately kind of need some
1: speed, you know, especially yeah. with MVS out and Aaron Jones still being kind of like a rotational back. For for all the love that AJ Dylan gets, and I still think he's the best like running back, running back on the roster. Yeah, um, it's not like breakaway speed is like really his thing. Even even Devontae like Devontae's got solid speed, um, but he's not like a burner. I mean him and they they were even using alan Lazard as a lateral stri- constraint. They were using him on like arounds and stuff. And Lazard came up big uh this week. Um was second in the team in receiving yards, you know, got the end around handoffs was lead blocking for a lot of like the yep. Equinemia St. Brown endarounds yep. and stuff like that. It was funny because the Browns were using uh, Anthony Schwartz as that guy and Anthony Schwartz is like junior Olympian like freak athlete, right? And then the Packers are running the exact same plays like right after Anthony Schwartz scores a touchdown. Aaron Rodgers uses the same, you know, weird like handoff that everyone was freaking out about Baker Mayfield. He runs the exact same play, but it's to Alan Lazard or Equinamia St. Brown. They don't break off the same way that, you know, you would want. But a lot of what you're seeing from that Browns offense is really just like the Packers offense. I mean, it's, it's pretty yeah. similar until they go into the shotgun.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and Schwartz, yeah, you, you mentioned his ridiculous ability. Man. I mean, I know you were high on him uh, I as a it. draft prospect. I loved him so much. Yeah. So, and, I mean, I thought he would have been a, a good fit for this team, for, for this Packers team too. So, um, I mean, remind me, he was, a, was he, he was a 2020 guy, right? Or was he a 21 prospect? He was, he was
1: 2021. He, he okay. was at he Auburn. And there, yeah. was that, there was a time where people didn't even think that he was the top guy at Auburn in terms mm-hmm. of wide receiver. Like, if you, if you look at big boards around, I would say around the combine, um, he was probably, like, the second highest ranked in terms of that team because he was, like, second or third uh, in receiving yards at Auburn. But, like, it's a Gus Malzahn offense. Like, it, it, they're so rigid in terms of how they play guys that, you know, looking at production probably isn't the right way to kind of evaluate those dudes. I remember because yep. my buddy uh, Nate Tice um, was working. He still works for Bleacher Report doing the same thing. Um, he was breaking down, you know, their offensive skill guys. And I watched Schwartz and I was like, this dude, like I get that. Like he's not totally there right now, but if you can just like get away with getting the ball in his hand for a while, like he has the potential to be that type of like Tyreek guy, just in terms of pure speed. Yep. I mean, he's not there as a route runner, but I always end up falling for those guys. Jakeem Grant, another one of like, that's <laughs> his favorite. Um, what's his name? Dion Deontay Harris, uh, the returner. Oh, Saints guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love those guys. Like I understand you could you basically only get one shot on your roster with those guys because you can't roster too many of them because yep. they're only going to contribute as like returners and like speed guys and like end around, you know, vanity auxiliary play type of guys. So you can only get one of them. But I would take like one of those guys every draft and just like make them compete because I, I think Schwartz changed the game. He certainly yeah. changed the game. I mean, oh, yeah. he put tons of pressure on Green Bay on the edges when they got into condensed sets.
2: Well, and, and imagine a guy with that athletic profile running those plays instead of you know trying to drum up for Omari or, to, again, to your point, like Lazard, yeah. who's you know he's not he's not a slow dude, but he's he's six five two thirty and he runs a four five five, not a four um, three. That's a whole different animal um, in terms of of running those those stretch plays laterally and, and putting that stress on a defense. When Lazard gets the end of the round and the Jets,
1: that's like when Mercedes Lewis catches a pass. That's the yeah. like, <laughs> nope, you got to honor it. You got to yep. honor it versus Schwartz, where it's like this is a legitimate threat every single time he's on the field. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Um, We mentioned it already. Roger said his toe feels best in weeks. Uh, he didn't even take a shot before the game. He did get stepped on, I think he said twice. I think I think the broadcast crew caught it both times. Yeah, one think, of them was damn uh, Newman, yep. right guard, and he steps on your left pinky toe. I want you to think about how that happens. Not good.
2: I think Garrett got the other one, right? Didn't he, uh, like, kick him yeah. in the foot or something on a pass rush? So, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully that doesn't flare up between now and, and next Sunday. Maybe that extra 24 hours of rest might help do him a little bit of good.
1: Yeah, and Garrett was dealing with his own injury in terms yep. of the groin issue. I mean, they, they were helping him. Certainly, like they were motioning down to Guara and and giving him double teams on like, uh, you know, third downs and stuff like that. But Garrett didn't look right, honestly. And I know everyone's going to say, you know, Nyman, you know, shut down Miles Garrett and stuff. He wasn't totally healthy. I I don't think we got his best game there
2: for sure. Well, and I think we saw a lot of like games with the snap count in this game too like Tons. some things were Tons. all i mean they were all over the place in terms of um you know breaking out of their normal normal cadence on offense to and i think that was probably i think you mentioned it on twitter was that it was it was probably respecting garrett and his ability to get off the ball
1: there was a lot of gamesmanship especially that first quarter um, yeah. you could tell like they were going first first sound which is like you know, the H of Hutt, you're just getting rid of the ball. And they're finishing the cadence, but the ball's already, you know, in the quarterback's hands. They were doing a lot of that. For uh, Archon in uh, the Slack chat was talking about how, you know, Green Bay's basically not taking it down to to one second against Mm -hmm. this Browns team. And, you know, I thought that that was, you know, kind of reflective of of what was happening on the field. Um, The other thing that they were doing, they were doing a lot of dummy counts and stuff too, and then still getting it off pretty quick. I wouldn't be surprised it's kind of hard to see tempo um, on broadcast just because there's like so many cutaways from the game. I wouldn't be surprised if they used a little bit more tempo in this game than, than yeah. the previous games too. They were very cognizant of miles Garrett, at least early on in the game. Um, he's that kind of a guy and you, for, for all of the games that they were trying to play with him, respect to miles Garrett for just staring down that football. It's not like he was jumping off sides or anything like that. Yeah. He was just like locked in. He knows, this is what he's going to get from teams. And, you know, you got to combat it, I guess.
2: Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the only, uh, we, we, we did finally get one uh, jump on a hard count and at the, <laughs> the best possible time right there. And the, the, the last first down and the uh, that last drive with a couple seconds left to, to basically seal the game. Um, I feel like that was, rogers higher count has not been as effective this year and i don't know if teams are just holding off on it or or what it is but um i feel like that was you know one of a very few instances where he's actually got guys off this year um to to jump early yeah i wonder i
1: wonder if we're, we were just spoiled last year with like yeah. the empty stadiums and yeah you know how crowd doesn't like affect it i know a lot of people have talked about that i think a little bit too much has been overblown in terms of like scoring is going down because now fans aren't you know in the stands and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. Also, like, what do you want? You don't want fans in the stands. Like, what <laughs> what kind of a dumb argument is that? No one is arguing about. No one, yeah. no one is championing this cause. Yeah. Um, in terms of the uh, one more thing, I didn't even have it on the list. Royce Newman got beat on another stunt. Um, really, like the only time Rogers really got like clean clocked. Yep. Yeah, the entire game. Outside of him just getting like stepped on randomly, right? Um, yeah. Newman just after his best two games of the season starts tricking me into thinking mm-hmm. like I don't have to worry about him during a playoff run and then just gets his butt whipped on a stunt. And it's like, yeah, this happens every week, man. It happens every <laughs> week.
2: Well, and everybody's going to keep running it until you can figure out how to, how to, def- or how to block it and how to deal with
1: it. Oh, Tampa, all they do is stunt. oh my god, all they do is stunt. They're, they're going to stunt <laughs> Royce Newman 50 times in that game, even against. I, I hope. Home.
2: I hope that new Orleans makes the postseason as the seven seed, if only to, to try to knock out Tampa as like a seven, two matchup.
1: Yeah. We have a question about uh, Tampa that we'll get into in a yeah. little bit, but no, I, 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 agree. I think new Orleans is a tougher team, honestly, like just in terms of like what they can give you then mm. Philadelphia. I'm not really worried about Philadelphia making the long run. I'm not worried about really Minnesota making a long run. I'm sure not worried about Washington, Um <laughs>
2: Yeah. Atlanta's just, still
1: alive technically. No one, no yeah. one cares about them.
2: Yeah, I just want to see New Orleans in to, to take out Tampa. That's just just get Tampa out before they get to Green Bay for an, another NFC Championship game. That's what I want at this point. <laughs> um, offensive odd checks. There was a lot of stalled
1: offense. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was good. I'll, I'll give it a six. I mean, there yeah. wasn't anything major, um, outside of just like general not getting it done when you needed to get it it's, done. It like was execution. I think three of ten on game, third down. I, yep. Not good. That really tells the story of the game, I think, for the offensive yeah. side.
2: And again, you get you get Devante with a, a weird drop in an, an unfortunate spot right at the end of the game in the fourth quarter, um, to to extend a drive that could have pretty much sealed the game. Um that's that's just an execution thing. That's not a a problem with with drawing up a player or a game plan or something. So yeah, I'm right with you on the six. Defensively, um, they have to flip Gary and Preston. Mm -hmm. Gary
1: cannot keep going against right tackles. He can't keep losing contain and letting quarterbacks flush to the right side. It's an issue. Preston's very good at it. I don't understand why they haven't made that switch, especially after the Ravens game last week. I mean, it's been a problem all year. For all the positives that Gary has, I mean, he's a great pass rusher. We talk about that every week. He can't keep contain. Um, No,
2: I thought I saw saw a couple of snaps in the first half where Gary was actually playing on the left side um, for for a little bit. But then it just I think that was maybe in the first quarter. And then it went right back to them, them playing on their their normal sides again for for pretty much the rest of the game. And yeah, again, we 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 know that there's not that many really mobile quarterbacks in the NFC playoff picture. The one that I think, I mean, Jalen Hurts is probably the big one, right? That that can really hurt you uh, with Definitely. his legs and, and if he can break contain. So, you know, maybe it doesn't end up hurting him just based on the matchups in, in the NFC. But, um, yeah, it, it continues to be an issue.
1: Uh, I haven't watched the uh, All-22 yet because uh, my my underground tape guy who usually gets it to me <laughs> before game pass puts it up um, didn't really want to bother him on Christmas so I only watched uh, I've re the game like the broadcast version Tipa gives you nothing in the run game and I don't think that they realized that they could attack him until probably the second half there were times where Tipa was coming in you know he was the guy to the field and they were just running away from him into the boundary and every time that happened it felt like a gift yep. um, Garvin isn't bringing that much as a pass rusher like, there's 15 snaps a game that, you know, Tipa or Garvin or both are on the field, and it's just like you can do whatever you want against this team. And I think this is really where you see the cluster injuries of, you know, four guys on IR who are, yep. you know, at the outside linebacker position, you know, including Whitney Merciless, who's brought in in-season to kind of solve these issues, and Zadarius Smith. That's where you see, like, that's where this team hurts a little bit.
2: I, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around why – you know, teams average something around 65 to 70 snaps a game. Right. And the Packers are insistent on only ever playing Preston Smith and Gary, like 50 snaps a piece, every, every single game, they're out there for like 80% of the snaps and it just, yeah, it feels like you're throwing away those other 20% of the snaps on, on these guys. Um, Is, is there something about that position that they, you know, that they don't trust guys to play you know 90 95 percent of the defensive snaps to is it a conditioning thing like what what is it that is is causing them to not just leave them out in the field down after down
1: you know i understand the conditioning thing and wanting to keep their legs fresh but yeah. to a certain extent you have to know what is on your roster too yeah. the other thing kenny clark just got activated from the reserve covet list and he played 60 of sixty. 68 snaps he played more snaps
2: at nose tackle than either of the edge rushers right so we doing
1: (laughs) so I understand that line of thinking but if you're going to play Clark like that you should probably play Gary and Preston like that yeah you know what I mean so it's not like they're coming off the field for third down specialists either um right I really do think that we might start seeing more of their kind of like early season uh packages like at least Mm -hmm. in terms of base and stuff like that Um, where they were using, you know, Devondre more on the line of scrimmage. They really started doing, they really were doing this up until like that, uh, what was it? That like Chiefs-Cardinals-Washington stretch where they started playing spread teams. Um, until, Until that point, they were using Devondre kind of as like a guy on the line of scrimmage. And I am wondering like if they could use Devondre Campbell as a supplemental pass rusher. You know, I understand he you know, should have been voted as a pro bowler at inside linebacker. But if they use him as a supplemental pass rusher near the line of scrimmage, and then can use Burks, you know, more as a blitzer. And I know they haven't been using Burks nearly as much um in defensively as they were early in the season. But at this point, you have to start manufacturing pass rush. And if it's getting Devondre and Burks on the field, like that just might be how, what you have to do, especially against teams that are going to play multiple tight ends. I think that's really what is going to give them problems? It's going to be teams like Tampa. It's going to be teams like um, Cleveland, Baltimore that, you know, use plenty of big bodies in the playoffs. Like I don't think it's going to be an issue against the Rams, but there are certainly other teams in the playoffs that like, they're going to run this exact stuff. And if you can't get off the field and you only make a punt once, like there's going to be quarterbacks who don't throw four interceptions and you might lose those games.
2: Right. Well, and, and in his limited action as a blitzer, he has been, pretty good. I think this season, Um, I I certainly haven't seen any, any reason to, to not use him there uh, on occasion. So, um, and we know that Burks is, is, has that, that burst as a a blitzer up the a gap. So yeah, I agree. And, and they continue to give Chris Barnes another, you know, 50 or 60% of snaps as, as a second inside linebacker. What is, what has he really given us aside from one or two big hits a game in this, you know in this defense it 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 doesn't feel like he's really contributing a whole lot um at least to me just just with my eye test i don't know what do you what's your take on Barnes?
1: i think he's very firmly like just a guy yeah. um i definitely worry about henry black a little bit more than, <laughs> than, than Barnes. but sure when you have a guy like burks i i think you got to f- start figuring out some sub packages for him and it's not like they didn't run those plays for him early in the season um when they were tinkering around with Ty Summers and and Burks and Barnes, you know, rotating. And then they brought in Jalen Smith. It's not like they've been in love with Barnes this whole year. And I think they've just got to kind of fall back into, you know, not using Barnes as an every down player like they have recently. Um, Dream Bay did end up running that three safety dime again. So it's hard to tell kind of what their dime look is going to be like moving forward in this season. So when they go six defensive backs traditionally this year, you know, the two slots have been Chandon Sullivan and then Henry Black. Last week, that changed a little bit when Kevin King ended up taking over for Henry Black uh, after Henry Black's first snap of the game in in defense. And most of that came, you know, in the second half when, you know, Mark Andrews had already kind of like established himself. Um, A lot of it was a two minute drill. So it's kind of hard to tell like what their long term plan is going to be in that position. But with King out, it's not like they put, you know, Yadam or, or another corner in there. They, they went right to Henry Black um, immediately. Uh, we had a guy ask, you know, Quinn Gorski, I believe that's how you say his name, you know, ask why so much soft coverage. I, I honestly don't know because it's not like they have, it. I think soft coverage is a good idea. Um, rallying to the ball, having vision on the ball, having vision on the quarterback is a good idea for you know, in tons of cases, maybe it helped them to, you know, get vision on the ball for those interceptions. The one thing I will say when you can't get a team off the field, like in a three sets of downs and they only punt one time, you would like to see a little bit more press coverage, especially if they don't have a deep play threat, especially if their quarterback, you know, isn't scaring you vertically. It's not who, who, who is Baker Mayfield throwing to deep that is scaring you. I know Schwartz has the speed. He, he, he's not making those type of plays. They use him no. as a lateral stretch more yep. than as a deep ball guy. So it's not like they even have like an MVS type of a dude. They try to go to Donovan Peoples Jones a couple of times. He's not that guy. Jarvis Landry no. is basically a running back. You know, he, he does all the Devontae Screen stuff without be, being able to take the top off the defense on the sideline. So yep. in yep. this situation, I would have liked to see a whole lot more like press man, honestly. Just play cover one, send yep. an extra pass rusher. You needed it. Uh-
2: hundred percent. Yeah. And, and especially when you get into those, those third downs and you're playing 10 yards off on a third and six um, that it just, it just doesn't make any sense. It's, again, when you're struggling to get off the field, you got to force some um, force some plays. So yeah, that was, I, I share your frustration there, Quinn on, uh, <laughs> on, on what we were seeing from, from this defense again. I will say
1: this team is pretty bland in terms of the scheme, it's it's not like they do a ton. Um, I think the reason for their success is not only like kind of like the blue trippers and stuff like that, but, and also, I mean, you you can't make, you, you, you can't say, you know, enough about them being able to get Campbell and um, Russell Douglas on basically free, but the depth of the team, I feel like is better than most Packers defenses have been recently. So I don't know how much of it is the scheme and how much of it is the players. I mean, the scheme is fine. And they certainly do a ton of like their penny stuff where they have three defensive tackles and nickel. Um, It's not like every team is doing that, but they're also only calling like three plays out of it. Like they're they're calling like cover two, they're calling cover one and they're calling cover three. So it's not like there's a ton of stunts or anything. Like they might be one of the last teams in the league in terms of blitzes on, you know, first and second down. I thought, I thought in terms of tackling, this might've been their worst uh, game of the season. I was the worst since week one. Um, so many plays just got to the edge and then it was like three dudes on the ground and the guy is still, still running. That, that's yeah. never what you want to see.
2: That's what happens when, when you're giving up, I think it was almost eight yards of carry on the ground in this game. Um, yeah. And it just seemed like every time that, that Chubb got the ball and a lot of, so much of it was outside too. So a lot of it was contain issues. Um, and and yeah, it just was every time it felt like they were ripping out 10, 12 yards um, on the ground, whether it was Chubb or Dearness Johnson or whoever. Um, it was just really frustrating to watch. And and yeah, tackling was was a big part of that too.
1: And it was kind of like a one-hand washes the other type of thing because they they play at a too high. So you're never really gonna rip off that like sixty-yard run when someone misses a tackle. You're you're only gonna allow like, you know, 12. 15, 15. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it was. There's a point where it becomes, are we missing tackles because we're gassed or are we gassed because we're missing tackles? And it's like both of these things are hurting the team. And yep. especially at the edge and you know, interior defensive line, it's not like they had a ton of bodies to go around either. They used Heflin, you know, for extended reps for like the second time this season. Um not not great. Just not what you want to see. Um yep. bad performance on the defensive side, even though they only allowed 22 uh, points. I mean we're talking about this like the sky's falling but you know they they win this game most of the time by keeping a team 22
2: right yeah and i mean again the turnovers were the big reason for that right i mean no that was that was the only reason why this was was not another 30 point um performance by this defense
1: i am gonna mispronounce this but i said that i would answer questions if you guys leave comments in the uh, itunes reviews so uh I, I I'm late getting to this too, by the way, very on brand that I'm getting to this like two <laughs> weeks later, but, uh, eight Hoenn asked, you know, the episode with Chuck, you said, uh, Tampa Bay was the worst matchup for green Bay. How do you defend? How do you defend them? I think it gets a lot easier now that Fournette is out. Cause I don't yep. think they have that kind of power runner. I think they're going to have to go into more of their gun stuff, which means, you know, as long as you can kind of rally up and tackle, uh, Rob Gronkowski, you should probably be fine when Brady's in the gun, at, you know, if James White is back there, you know, in pass protection and stuff like that, I think that's kind of the guy that you're worried about. Um, I don't think you could use the New Orleans film as, you know, any indication on tape. When he's out, his top three wide receivers, it's it's unusable. It's unusable film. Don't assume that, you know, New Orleans just did something that just tricked Tom Brady 17 years or 20 years, whatever it is, into his career. Um man defense would help a lot. If, if they could match up man to man against Antonio against Godwin, who I know is banged up, but I believe still has a chance to he's, return this season.
2: That's Evans. I think, I think Godwin's on IR. I think Godwin tore his ACL. So he's done. Oh no. So, so yeah, that's, that's the one you can scratch off the list, but yeah, Evans might be back um, in terms of in time for the playoffs and that's physically, that's the biggest matchup problem you've got on, at least on the boundary.
1: I mean, if there's a game that you want, big bodies out there for, and you're happy, you have a Stokes, a Russell Douglas, a Kevin yep. King. It's going against, you know, Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans playing man yeah. to man. And if, if, if all the DBs are healthy by then, and you can just kind of like have Jair float with AB, AB and have everyone else match up, you know, based off of who lines up on them, like that, that might be the way to beat Tampa. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the hope. That's what I would say. Yeah. Um Defensive vibes. Like a three. This is bad. That was a bad. Pick. We don't have <laughs> to lie to ourselves. about bad. I know they got four yeah. picks. Shouts, shouts to the guys for getting picks. Probably should have had five. Probably over the last two weeks they should have had a billion. But uh, well,
2: yeah, and and again, a, a lot of those a lot of those picks were gift wrapped from from Baker too. Absolutely, so, um, fresh off the plane. At that point, you're just you're just given you're you're taking what he's given you rather than making the plays yourself. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a, it's not encouraging, especially coming off a couple again thirty point games, um, and and seeing some uncharacteristic big plays, right, and 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 chunk multiple chunk big plays, um, this week it was the screens against the Rams a couple of weeks ago, it was um, a couple of weird big plays over the top of the passing game, um, so we're seeing some some weaknesses that that are a little inconsistent and weren't what we were seeing in the first you know, two, three months of the season. So that's got me a little worried here coming down the stretch. So they got to tighten it up against Minnesota on Sunday.
1: Special teams wise, um, we mentioned it a little bit with Malik, you know, now on IR, Amari got all three returns in terms of the balls that were fielded. Um, I didn't notice anyone else back there. I don't know if you did. Mason hit nope. all four of his kicks. I don't think special teams was really a big deal. I mean, they had a like 28-yard return, if that's the worst thing you could say about the special teams, that's fine. Um, Yeah. Six, just because I feel like I can't go any higher than six at this point with this team.
2: Yep. Five. It's, it was fine. You didn't have a problem. You didn't do anything great. Give it a, give it a solid C.
1: (laughs) So things I just have next week as a whole group of things to talk about. So next week, green Bay needs to make a decision about Jair Alexander. That's going to be a big one. We're probably going to get him. Activated to the 53, um, I would guess as of now, the way that they've used him in terms of participation, he's probably not going to play this week is, yep. is my general thought. Um, so he'll get activated. He'll take someone's spot. Someone's going to get cut. Someone's going to get put on IR or someone will go on COVID reserve. Hopefully not. Uh, Bakhtiari and Billy Turner, um, decisions are, are still being made there. You know They basically shut down Bakhtiari this past week, which is you know not what you want to see. Um, they're saying it's not a big deal, but the fact that he's been activated for you know months now and is not back on the field and had a second surgery and is now not practicing again isn't good. Um, Billy Turner, you would think that if they weren't going to put him on IR, which would only have taken him off of the 53-man roster for three weeks, that he should be back soon, but he's not practicing with the team yet. Um, no other injuries that we know of unless uh, you know Dominique Daphne's injury is more serious than we thought. Um, The big game next week outside of Green Bay and Minnesota, Arizona and Dallas. If Arizona yep. can somehow upset the Dallas Cowboys and Green Bay beats Minnesota, they will lock in the one seed game over next week. Yep. So they'll have two weeks of rest um, before they get to suit up, you know, against whoever in the divisional round. I think that would go a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Roger said he's still going to get tested um, for his uh, toe issue in the upcoming days. So we'll probably get news. Based on how this works, it'll probably come out on Tuesday. I would say, Um, in terms of like, did he re-aggravate his injury or anything like that? That news will come out probably on Tuesday. Um, We'll hear from Matt Lafleur on some of these injuries on Monday. Probably hear about what happened to Kings Akiki. Outside of that, do you have anything else to add on, Tex?
2: No, I think that was the the playoff picture was going to be the big thing. Um, It's you've got a chance of locking up that top seed next week if um, if Arizona can. Can find a way to, to get a w um that's that's no easy task given how dallas looked this week um obviously arizona dropping a game last week in uh in detroit and then again losing to indy this week so um they got to figure it out quick because they're now behind in the nfc west race too uh the they have fallen yeah. a game behind the rams who were pretty much left for dead in that division a couple of weeks ago um so it's it's going to be real interesting coming on the stretch um You know, I don't even want to think about, you know, two seeds and having to play on on wildcard weekend. No, no, (laughs) I don't want it. No, it's, it's, and, and I I just, I'll say if if they play the way they played this week and, and even maybe last week against Baltimore, I don't know if they beat Minnesota even at home uh, next week. So weird things happen in in Vikings games, especially the last couple of years. It seems like they've, they've had a weird, uh, you know, just, a little weird mojo against green Bay um, certainly did earlier this year, the Lambo game last year in the middle of the season kind of caught them sleeping. So um, they just, yeah, we got to get out there and take care of business next week and, um, you know, hope that Arizona can do the same and lock it up with a week to go. Yeah. Massive, uh, massive cliff Kingsbury fans yep. for, for one week. Kyler
1: now is six and I think it's like six and 16 uh, after October in his <sighs> NFL career. It's not good, man. The dude's 5'8". I like he can't he can't take time,
2: the pounding. He just can't do it.
1: It it might be a thing. It really might be a thing. And I know mm-hmm. like people don't want to like kind of talk because he is a fun quarterback and mm-hmm. he does get people riled up for you know MVP candidacy early in the season. But it's like he gets banged up and then he's just scrambling around and then he just gets more banged up. And you can kind of defend that once guys start you know dropping down when all your guys aren't healthy and Nuke's not out there like that changes a lot like maybe yep. you have to plan structure i don't know um we'll catch you guys next week thanks for listening
0: more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all in one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals